Welcome to OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would like now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jeffrey. Hey everybody, I'm Jeffrey, compulsive overeater. It's great to be here. Um, Michael, Martha, thank you for asking me to lead. Uh, it's uh, an, a real honor and a privilege to be here. Um, I shared this before when I led this meeting, but if you're listening on the internet, again, this is the third time I'm sharing. It's a beautiful sunny day in Brentwood, California. Um, it's a great way to start a Saturday night, and I'm, uh, I'm really pleased to be here. Um, I just want to start off by saying, I'm going to do the whole what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, but I want to just start off by saying how program works in my life, and it's a very simple thing. I came into program in September of 2006 at about 300 pounds. Two years later, I had lost pretty much all my weight, and I led this meeting. And I remember sharing in this meeting, I said, you know, it would be so nice if I could have the experience of waking up next to a woman that I love, running my fingers through her hair, wouldn't that be nice? Two years later, I led this meeting again, and I was engaged to someone from program. And now here we are two years later, and I'm, meeting, I'm leading the meeting again. Our two-year anniversary is next week, and we have a little girl coming Anytime now. It's pretty amazing. That's how program works in my life. It's unbelievable. Um, and I'm down about 100 pounds. Um, I will pass around some pictures that I have. And uh, I only wear this jacket when I take a candle for my birthday. But I'm going to wear it again tonight because I'm sharing this. So this is, uh, this is what I was like um, five and a half years ago when I came into program. This is... Uh, and this is, uh, this, is, this is the jacket that I wore. I was close to 300 pounds. And it's um, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I'll just take this off because I don't want to wear it too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say hello to a couple of people out there. I want to say hello to my friend Bart in Minneapolis, who just celebrated 13 years of sobriety. And I want to say hello to my friend Ashley in Connecticut, who just celebrated two years of sobriety. And I want to say hello to um, Ginny in Ohio, who actually came to this meeting several months ago, I think it was, maybe even a year ago, uh, who listens to this uh, on the podcast. And she was able to come here, and she recognized everybody's voice, and she came up to all of us. And uh, it was, uh, I just want to say hello to her, and I hope that she's still listening, and I hope that everyone who can't get to a lot of meetings are listening tonight. Um, So... What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Oh, and by the way, I'm keeping my phone up here in case my wife calls, so it's on vibrate, just in case he starts to go into labor. Um, but I will finish the talk. Um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I grew up in a fairly decent household. I had very loving parents. I had a brother and a sister. We were um, supported in everything that we did. Uh, we were supported physically, emotionally, um, 
spiritually, I grew up Jewish. I mean, I went to Hebrew school. I did all that stuff. But we, we, I, I lived in a in a very loving household, and and I, and I really don't have a lot of um, bad things that happened to me as a kid. There are a few things that happened that I will tell you about that were big milestones, big turning points in my life. The first was um, my parents got separated when I was seven years old. And I just want to say, I'll just back up. Everything that I say here tonight, it's just my own experience. If you don't hear what you want to hear, go to another meeting. Um, uh, and, and nothing that I say is original. It's, it's, all, it's all recycled from people in program that have come before me. But my parents got separated when I was seven years old. And I can remember I was a, very, I was a, I was a skinny kid. And, and after that happened, um, there are pictures of me when I really blew up and I became uh, much heavier. Husky is the word. <laughs> and, um, and around that time as well, um, I had, at a very young age, I had, an, I had an inappropriate relationship with my best friend's mother. I'll just leave it at that. And... I started to gain weight. I don't really know what happened in the years between I was about 7 and 14 years old, but when I hit 14 years old, I remember my parents got divorced, and for my 14th birthday, my father bought me a hooker. And I've shared this before, and, you know, at 14 years old, it really is truly one of the greatest things in the world. It was just an unbelievable present. But I can tell you that as my life went on, and I got into my 20s, and I got into my 30s, and I found myself uh, eating more and more food and not being able to uh, have a, a successful relationship with uh, a woman, with a man, um, unable to uh, connect, it was a really, really awful thing. That's really not something I'm ever going to do to my own daughter. But um, I love my dad. He passed away several years ago. He was a great guy, my best friend. Uh, and that's just part of my story. Um, I remember when I was, uh, when I was in college, and talk about what it was like, I basically had, uh, I was lucky, my, I, I grew up in a, in a pretty wealthy, uh, household, uh, there were definitely ups and downs, but by the time I got to college, things were great, and I had an unlimited supply of money, and, um, and it was ridiculous and it was unlimited and and all of my money went to uh food and uh food hookers other things too but um food was the was a really big one and i basically ate my way through college and uh i was i'm I'm an isolator by nature i would just much prefer my own company to anybody else's to this day my wife she can't even understand how much I still love to be by myself. I, I, I am my, my best company. I love my company. And I have no problem being by myself and just hanging out. I, I, I'm never bored that way. I just love it. Um, but in college, I mean, I would go to class at 8 o'clock in the morning. And class, it was a pretty rigorous program. was usually done about 11 o'clock at night. And I never went out. And I never went out on the weekends. And I only went out to eat. And then I would come back to my dorm room and sleep. And, and it was just the, the constant, constant food. Um, I graduated college in, in, 90, in 92. And um, I moved to New York. And the food just continued. And um, 
Well, I'm just I'm just remembering when I when I led this meeting the first time and I talked about, I had I had my food log and I was talking about all the foods that I would eat. It was um it, it, it was to the point where I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you you I ate so much food, so much food during the day and so much food at night that I would usually puke at around two o'clock in the morning while I was sleeping because the food had nowhere to go. I was sweating. I used to have to lay towels down on my bed because I would be sweating so badly. And uh, my clothes would be soaked. The sheets on my bed would be soaked. Um, almost every night it was the, 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 the throwing up at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I would just be, I would be dreaming about something, and then all of a sudden I'd just throw up. And, um, and I could never, ever, ever get enough food. I just needed more and more food. And as full as I was, I had to keep eating. And, um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know about Overeaters Anonymous. And I feel as though the, the way that I felt was this is the way my life is. This is the way it has to be. This is the way um, that things are going for me. Because I didn't know any other way. I mean, this just seemed normal. So it seemed, you know, normal to uh, go out to the beach and never take my shirt off, never be with a woman, never be social with anybody. Um, and I certainly, I enjoyed my own company, but I, I just, it wasn't part of my life. It wasn't part of my life. And as, as, uh, as Leslie has reminded me in the past, in, um, um, in the big book, in the doctor's opinion, with Overeaters Anonymous, you know, we get a chance to recreate our lives. Well, I kind of wish that I knew that a life could be recreated because <laughs> I just didn't know anything about that. Um, I, uh, I'm going to cut, uh, I'm going to skip forward a little bit and I'll probably go back and forth, but um, I, I moved out to Los Angeles for the second time in, I think it was 2002. Uh, right after 9-11, 2002. And um, I had actually dieted my way down to a pretty decent weight, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And a friend of mine here in L.A. said, um, he used to go to the 7.30 Moorpark meetings. Uh, he was in al- uh, the, the, the 9 o'clock meetings. He used to go to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, he said, you know, there's these people that keep coming out of the meetings before I go in. He said, I think that they're Overeaters Anonymous. Why don't you give it a try? And I'd never heard of, uh, of Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, uh, yeah, I'll give it a try. I was feeling really good. I was down like uh, 50 pounds dieting myself. And um, I went into Overeaters Anonymous, and I absolutely hated it. I hated everything about it. I hated the people. I hated... They, they really just seemed like a bunch of complainers to me. Losers, people that I would never be around, um, people that I just would, would, if I saw them walking down the street towards me, I would absolutely go to the other side of the street. And, um, and I remember a, a woman who had a license plate, and I can say this, I'm not breaking any anonymity because I don't even know where she is, but her license plate was PWRLSS, powerless. And I remember the feeling of absolute dread and nausea looking at that license plate. And I'm being honest here because for someone to admit that they are powerless, that is not how I grew up. That's just, it's just not how I grew up. My dad was a self-made man. We could do anything that we wanted to do. We didn't need anybody's help to do it. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Um, 
And here was this whole talk of being powerless and the God, the God this and the God that and, and just God all the time. And I, you know, I just, I didn't connect with it. But I stayed for 30 days. I didn't eat sugar. I took a, uh, I took a chip for 30 days and then I left. Um, and that was in 2002. Um, do you know what happened between 2002 and, you know, when I came back in in 2006? I gained more weight and more weight and more weight and more weight. There's a picture that I'm passing around. It's the uh, it's on the paper, um, and it's uh, that's at my heaviest. And I remember that the, that was taken on a Saturday, and I had. Um, oh, and by the way, the woman next to me is Ashley. That's the woman who just celebrated two years of uh, of sobriety. Unbelievable. Um, but I um, that was on a Saturday. I came back to work on a Monday, and I was met by security guards, and I was fired from my job, and. Um, I was actually kind of happy because I was not happy at my job, but I went home that day and I thought to myself, okay, I was at the heaviest that I ever was. I was absolutely miserable and I just said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't, I just can't live like this anymore. Hmm, What do I have to do? Okay, I'm going to go back to Reader's Anonymous. So I called my friend Bart. And I said, look, here's the deal. I said, I know that I will never, ever, ever be able to lose weight. I remember this conversation with him like it was yesterday. I said, I know that I will never, ever, ever be able to lose weight. But I'm going back to Overeaters Anonymous because I've got no place else to go. And I went back to Overeaters Anonymous. And those same people who uh, I wanted to strangle when I first met them, they really made a lot of sense. It was just, uh, it was just different. It, things were just different. I really came on my knee, uh, you know, on my knees. I was done. I knew instinctively that that Jeffrey's way of doing things just did not work, and um, and my life changed from the moment I walked back into Overeaters Anonymous. Um, the first guy that came up to me, uh, Scott Redman, who was my uh, became my first sponsor. Um, he was a great guy. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, I was a newcomer. He just came up to me and he said, Hi, my name is Scott. Nice to meet you. Hope to see you around. And uh, shortly thereafter, I asked him to be my sponsor. He became my sponsor. And, um, and this is what I did. I started working the steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, I didn't know what else to do. Um, this is why I came into a 12-step program. This is what everybody else seemed to do. There were a lot of people in program that I saw that had lost a lot of weight. And uh, it didn't make sense to me. None of it made sense to me. But um, I just said, okay, so tell me what I need to do. So I I started working the steps, and this is how I worked the steps. Um, My sponsor asked me to buy the the OA 12 and 12. He said, read the chapter, read chapter 1. Go back and read a paragraph, write on a paragraph. Read the paragraph, write on the paragraph. When you're done writing, on the first step, on the first step, we'll get together and we'll read it. That's what I did. So, um, and I remember that during the first three months that I was working on my uh, on the steps, I, I was binging all the time. I was still binging every night, and I wasn't calling my sponsor. I felt badly that I was, you know, going out at 11:30 at night to McDonald's. Um, and he would say, why didn't you call me? And I would say, well, because it's 1130 at night. And he said, Jeff, I'm as serious as a heart attack. Anything that I can do to keep you from eating, I will do. So call me. Um, but 
there was something about, and I know that there are some people that, that won't work the steps with their sponsees until they're abstinent, but I didn't understand if I could get abstinent, I really wouldn't need the program. I, I, don't, I didn't understand it. So this is just my own experience. So I came in. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. That was a no-brainer for me. I was close to 300 pounds. I was miserable. I, I also didn't say that I, was, I had become type 2 diabetic. I was taking two blood pressure medications. Um, I was taking glucophage to control my blood sugar. Uh, and I was, 30, I was 34 years old. I was basically dying. Um, it was easy. I was powerless over food. My life, my life had become unmanageable. My life was completely unmanageable. Nothing was going right. Nothing was going right. Everything that I did turned to shit because it usually it usually uh, it, it was it was all about uh, the food and my will. So I worked the steps. Came to believe that a power greater than, my, than ourselves could restore me to sanity. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Well, if I need to be restored to sanity, it means that I'm insane. It means that I am insane, and I am absolutely insane with the food, and I am still insane with the food today, coming up on six years of abstinence. I am still insane with the food. Um, that was an easy one. Step three was a hard one. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. I really thought that meant I had to become a priest or a rabbi. <laughs> I didn't understand what it meant to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. I believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, but now I have to make the decision to turn over whatever I have to that power to relieve me. So the, the purpose of the big book, as I understand it, is to better acquaint ourselves with our higher power. And we learn and program that a power greater than ourselves can relieve this crazy disease called compulsive overeating because I can't do it on my own. So I continue to do the steps. I did my fourth step, which was, for me, my fourth step was, uh, it was kind of an interesting thing. I, I didn't have any secrets. I had talked about all the stuff in my past. I talked about all the sex stuff. I talked about all the food stuff. Nothing was, 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 a, was a secret. Uh, but by that time, my second sponsor was a woman, and, um, and, I, and I did my four-step, and I left nothing out. I, um, I did my four-step through the four-step inventory guide. I tried to do it through the big book. I just couldn't do it. I didn't trust myself. I, I didn't trust myself that I would get to everything. It's really hard for me to... Uh, I, I, need to I need to be shown the way. So it was, it was great to, to have those questions and for me to answer them, and that helped to guide me. Um, so I did my four-step. I gave my fourth step away to my sponsor, which was an amazing experience. And something, something really beautiful happened when I, was, um, when, I was, when I was reading my fourth step to her. It was not emotional at all. There was, uh, oh, there was something that happened in my past that not a lot of people knew about. And I read it to her. And I remember reading it. And I was you know, sitting here reading the paper. And I was, as I was reading it to her, I just sort of looked over the paper just to see what her response was. And at the end, I actually said to her, I'm like, so what did you think of that, uh, you know, that, that, that one part thing? Of course, she knew what I was talking about. And all she said to me was, look at the lengths that you went to feel. Look at what you had to do just to feel something in your life. And at the end of, the, um, the end of that four-step inventory guide, there's questions. And the questions are, basically, how is your life different today than when you started? And when I started reading that, 
the floodgates really opened up. And um, I got very, very emotional, and I began to really see... Um, I began to really see the change. I began to really, really know that there was uh, a change that was going on. They say sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, um, but we all go through it in our own time. I had found people in program who had what I wanted, and I did what they did. Uh, there was a, a really nice girl who I met who had a real uh, stillness when she came into the room, and she was able to sit still, and, I, and that was something that I wanted, and that was... Uh, and I really just, I moved into that world of uh, people in program. And I began to hang out with people in program who had what I wanted. And that woman that I just talked about, she was the woman that I actually got abstinent with. I told this story before, but we, I was invited to a, a Hollywood cookbook party. And I, I still wasn't abstinent. This was November 19th of 2006. So I've been in program for a few months. And, um, and I asked this woman to go with me. She was very pretty. And uh, I figured we're gonna have a nice time. We'll have a nice uh, have a nice meal at this Hollywood cookbook party. And she said to me before we went, she said, "Well, I won't be eating because I will have already eaten my dinner by then." And I said, "Okay, I will be eating, and uh, we'll have a nice time." So we went to this party, and uh, quite by accident, instead of eating, we just stood in the middle of the room and we talked program for about two hours. And that was the night that I got abstinent. And I was literally struck abstinent. I, I, never, I don't have the experience of having to put down the food and then having to deal with my feelings. I don't have that experience. Uh, my experience was is that I was working the steps, I was binging, and then, then I went to some party, and I was with a, a fellow in program, and the, the, the light of God hit me, and I was abstinent. And um, a few things hit me that night. Uh, one, I started to feel, I started to care more about myself than I cared about you. And that was a really big thing for me because uh, I had spent so much of my time just caring about other people and being there for other people. And I remember there was a woman in New York um, uh, and I used to go with her to the gym and she would go work out at the gym and I would wait for her in the gym where they have like the little, I don't know, the gathering place. People would just eat and I would just sit there for three hours while she worked out. And she would say, well, why don't you go do what you need to do? And I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I didn't, I didn't do anything because I had no life. I had nothing to do. Um, and th- three things happened. The obsession for the food left me. I began to care more about me than I cared about you. And um, most amazingly is that the jealousy that I had towards people vanished. It went away. I used to be a really, really bad, bad, jealous guy. And um, I made a lot of amends for that. And that left me. And I think that... Um, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I can't really tell you what happened that night other than... The only thing that I can tell you is that I got abstinent with a, with a fellow member of Overeaters Anonymous. I couldn't do it by myself. I got abstinent with somebody else in program. And um, and uh, things really started changing for me. Uh, my food was still big, but it had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when I tell you, I'm not going to go into my food a lot like I did the first time, but when I tell you that it started at 5.30 in the morning and it ended until I went to bed throwing up, and it was nonstop food, and it was usually about twenty-five or 30,000 calories, that's what it was like. And the feeling of just... You know, literally being on my cat on my couch naked, 
not being able to fit another morsel of food in my mouth and not understanding why I couldn't stop eating. And throwing the, yes, throwing the food out and getting the food out of the trash. Eating frozen food, I've done it because I can't wait for it to be microwaved to cook. I've gone in there, take the knife, try to, whatever it is, spinach, uh, uh, whatever it can be, I would do it. Um, And I had a really crazy relationship with food. And you know what? Look, I don't really know where this all came from. Could it, is it because my parents got separated? Could it be perhaps that when my family went out for dinner on the way home, we would stop and get a pizza? I don't know, but that's, that's sort of what, uh, that's what it was like for me growing up. Um, could it have been the sex stuff? I, I, look, I don't know, and it really doesn't matter. What I can tell you is, is that uh, I'm so thrilled that I found the rooms of, uh, of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I found the best friends in my life in Overeaters Anonymous. I found um, a real fellowship of people who understand me. I found my wife in Overeaters Anonymous. This is incredible stuff. I mean, this is really, this is incredible stuff. I was talking to my boss the other day, and he said, you know, day to day you don't see this stuff, but when you look at it from when you came in here five years ago weighing close to 300 pounds, and you, you see where you are today, um, it's remarkable. And I will tell you, uh, I don't work this program perfectly. There was something that I wanted to read here that was really interesting. Just give me a second. Um, uh, what is abstinence? So in Overeaters Anonymous, the statement on abstinence and recovery is, abstinence is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. Spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is the result of living the Overeaters Anonymous 12-step program. Um, I asked my first sponsor, Scott, once, I said, uh, how do you know the difference between eating compulsively and just eating a little too much food. And he said to me, he said, um, eating compulsively is eating to fill a void that no food can fill. And Scott actually helped me define my abstinence a, a little different than this. He said, your abstinence is about the kind of man that you want to become and the kind of man that higher power has always had in store for you. And the food is simply another tool to help get you there. I can tell you by this definition, uh, refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, I've done it while while in abstinence. While in in my abstinence, I've done it. Um, I know I've eaten too much. I know that I've eaten compulsively. Um, I used to weigh 175 pounds. I'm about 200 now. I've gained some weight in abstinence. Um... What does it mean? Oh, I think it means a lot. I don't think I have enough time to talk about all that. Um, But I think that I live my life um, to the best of my ability according to the steps and the traditions of this program. I uh, I found a way, as Leslie reminded me, to recreate my life. And I, I truly feel like we're the lucky ones. I do. I feel like people in program are the lucky people. Um, I don't really know where my life would be today. I mean, would I have been dead? I, I really don't know. I can tell you that I probably would still be alone. I would probably be very heavy. I would probably be um, miserable. And I would probably be 
hopeless. And that's um, that's something that that program continues to give me is that uh, the hope. You know, oh Ray, one year, congratulations. How many do you have? Nine, nine years. Raina, who else got the candle tonight? Jeff, three years. I mean, that's what keeps me coming back. It's amazing. It's um, I'm I'm coming up on. Six years of abstinence. I didn't do it. I, I know I didn't do it myself. Um, I don't do it myself. I can tell you uh, that it's all a, a, a power greater than myself. And uh, Scott said something else to me that I'll never forget. Pray to God, but row to shore. <laughs> pray to God, but row to shore. You can pray all you want, but you got to do the work. you got to do the work. Um, the weight won't come off. and I, I, The physical weight, the weight in my head, because this is where it all lies. It's all in my head. Um, and I want to I I finish, because I'll take some questions, but um, I want to finish. Someone, someone emailed me the other day. I was uh, emailing her. I'm not going to embarrass her by saying her name. She's not here, but this is what she wrote me. She said, um, It is so evident that HP is in your life working through you. Isn't program amazing? We surrender ourselves to a power greater than ourselves, and besides the food obsession being lifted, we are given such incredible gifts, and we are transformed into people that we dreamed of becoming. Beautiful. I mean, just just beautiful, uh, when you put it like that. And... um, I hope that I will uh, continue to come back to O Readers Anonymous. I do feel like it's a program that saved my life. I feel that it can help all of us. I love the people in these rooms. AA, they scare the shit out of me. OA, I love the people in these rooms. Um, I feel like I'm with my family. And, um, and I wish nothing but the best for every single person that walks in here. And uh, it's, it's there for the taking. It's free. It's, we get a chance to recreate our lives, and it's free. And it comes out of a little book, and it comes out of work that we do with each other, and it comes out of uh, hard work, and it comes out of wanting something different, and finally, finally, finally learning that there's a way that we can get there and we can get there together and uh, I'm a proud member of this fellowship and I'm uh, really happy to be here thanks for letting me share so if anybody has any questions I'll repeat the question sure my daily spiritual practice Um, I believe that I can always be doing more but this is basically what I do I wake up in the morning Uh, I don't get on my knees. I wind up going to work, and I sit in my car at work in the garage, and I turn the air up really loud, and I sit in my car, and I say um, the serenity prayer. I say the first step, the second step, the third step. I say the third step prayer, um, the seventh step prayer, affirmation, and then I breathe, and um, I try to connect with with God. And, um, you know, I didn't talk about any of my defects of character, but man, oh man, they are, they're big, and... um, it's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trying to ask God to help me out during the day, and um, 
Yeah, I didn't finish talking about all the steps, but uh, that's pretty much what I do on a daily basis. And when I find myself um, going to the dark Jeffrey place, um, I'm the kind of person that likes to solve my problems first and call you later. It's very difficult for me to very difficult for me to reach out. Still is coming up on six years. It's still hard for me to reach out. Um, but I know when the behavior is bad. I know when the behavior is uh, is not the kind of person that I want to be. When the behavior is not abstinent, and uh, I can quickly make amends, but I can always do more. Did I have to do any focus work on how I relate to women? I don't think that it was uh, normally uh, just a, a thing with women that I had. I think that it was with men as well. And um, uh, the, the, the focus that came for me was when I got abstinent and I started caring more about myself. And I started um, feeling good about myself. You know, they say if you want to build self-esteem, you do esteemable acts. And part of that for me was, an esteemable act for me was coming to meetings. An esteemable act for me was uh, working the steps. An esteemable act for me was, I remember my first commitment was timer. I was scared to death. What if the timer doesn't go off right? I mean, I was just, I was so scared. But those are esteemable acts for me. Um, Doing things that I wouldn't normally do for myself. And um, by doing those things, I will tell you that my life on the outside was pretty shut out. And I was really concentrating on people and program. Because that's what was making me feel good. And uh, I feel as though I got practice with the people in program. I remember I said to my second sponsor, when am I going to be able to sort of move out of, uh, of, of OA into the world? So that, and she said, when you're ready, you'll begin to take those steps out into the world. And my true friends were the ones that remained, even though I really shut them out. They knew what I was going through. And, um, and, uh, and it was just a process. And I will tell you that with my wife, Lisa, um, it truly, I am a big, I didn't talk a lot about this, but I am a big, big believer in things happening for a reason. I've always believed in God. I believe everything happens for a reason. Even the bad stuff happens for a reason. Um, things were taking their own trajectory for me in program. Um, I saw this woman in program and I just looked at her and I was like, yeah, that is good. And, um, and I, I think I grew on her because she definitely did not feel that way about me. But um, she, she definitely did not. Um, very hot and cold. Um, but um, but, uh, but uh, it just seemed like, talk about trusting, it just seemed like the next indicated step. Everything had been leading me up to that. Let's go on a date. Next thing you know, let's get engaged. Next thing you know, we're married. Next thing you know, we're having a baby. Dude, I have no idea what's going to happen in the next two weeks or how my life is going to change. I have no idea. Do I have enough money in the bank? Do I have enough this? Do I have enough that? I said to my sponsor, Ed, the other day, which was really interesting, I said, I have to stop thinking about what is going to be taken away from my life and what is going to be added to my life. Well, that's not really Jeffrey thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's not. That's that's uh, that's program thinking, and um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think I answered your question a little bit, but uh, you're welcome. Anything else? Yes. Oh yeah, the weight gain and abstinence. You know, it's uh, it's difficult because um, oh, you know, I rediscovered alcohol 
I hadn't had alcohol. I was never a drinker, but I, I rediscovered it. Uh, I'm not blaming anybody, but my, my wife, not while she's pregnant, but, you know, she occasionally had a drink, and I wasn't drinking, and we were in Palm Springs, and I said, oh, I'll try that. Um, I don't eat sugar as part of my abstinence. I'm, I'm well aware that Mai Tais have a lot of sugar in them. Um, my, my third sponsor used to say to me, since, since when are Mai Tais uh, vegetables? Because I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't account for my Mai Tais. Um, but um, it's... Uh, it's difficult, but I will tell you that when I was 175 pounds, I don't think that that was the right weight for me. Um, I was told when to stop losing weight. Uh, I would have kept going. It was a real high for me. But somebody said, they saw me in a picture. I was telling they could see my, my bones in my shoulders. They said, it's time to stop. And I said, okay, I'll stop because I don't know what I'm doing. I'll stop if you tell me to stop. Um, I think my weight right now is uh, it's too high. I think it's definitely too high. I think I need about uh, 10 more pounds or so to be in a comfortable position. Um, I am not the kind of person that beats myself up. I'm not. Um, my third sponsor used to remind me, he used to say, why are the weekends always light for you? Like, why is it, why Monday through Friday can you be abstinent with all this stuff? And why on the weekends can you go out to dinner and have a pasta when you would never eat that during the week? Oh, there's a lot of answers to that. You know? <laughs> I take my will and my life back. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I need to keep coming back to program to remind me of that. Um, but it is not easy. Um, it's, uh, it's not comfortable. It's shameful. Um, and uh, and it will take its course. It will take its course in its time. Thank you.